Hey everybody, how's it going? Everybody good? Doing well? Week's going fine? I hope more so for you than for me as I'm just about at the end of a serious cold. So if you hear me coughing or sniffling throughout the course of this podcast, my early apologies. And for those who have, for the first time, tuned in and downloaded the program or actually listening from the website, I thank you. And for those that are more than their first rodeo, listening to my voice, bless you guys to bring you the latest and greatest of the world of sports, then welcome back. This is your host, Jay Reels, the host of the Jay Reels podcast, recording this on a Wednesday night, June the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2018. Glad that you were able to download or tune in to listen to what I got that's going on in the world of the diamond, the world of the gridiron, the world of the ice, hardwood, racetrack, golf course, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. And considering I did not have a uh, guest lined up for this week because uh, getting over the aforementioned cold that I had suffered after a few days being away from New York, thank goodness. But when I come back, one of my gripes is that it's 60 degrees, it's freezing, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt pretty much, and it's early June, and I've come to the grips that there's no such thing as spring in New York City. There isn't. It just boggles my mind, and we could talk about global warming all we want, but it just boggles my mind that we just never have springs in New York. Yes, we have the occasional 80-degree day, yeah, we have those couple of stretches where we actually got into the 90s, but when you're going 91 day... And then 58 and rain the next. And then 60 and cloudy. It feels like it's going to warm up, but then it doesn't. And then you get a stretch where you get a couple of 70-degree days, and you're thinking, all right, maybe we're in the clear here. No, let's go back to the 50s. The weather is just out of bounds. And on top of all that, trying to fight off a cold, which I rarely get. So, therefore, I couldn't get anybody onto the podcast earlier this week because I couldn't really speak. I was congested. I was coughing. I still have a dry cough as it is. But... With all that being said, I still have a lot to get off my chest, and it's not just the phlegm that's coming out of it, not to be disgusting or give you any visuals or some TMI, but you know where I'm going if you've listened to this program before, and if you know what type of fan I am, you know where I'm going. But before we get to all that, come next week, i make sure I'll have not only one, but maybe two shows where I'll have some guests. I'm trying to get my brother, my cousin... JD on the program. I know he's recovering from his surgery, and I know I talked about that in a couple podcasts ago, but uh, I'll make sure he gets on because that's going to be a very interesting spot just to kind of recap not only what's going on in the world of sports, but just to reminisce a little bit about our program, see what he's up to. And I'm also trying to get a couple of other people onto the podcast as well, including some athletes. So please keep yourself abreast. Stay tuned. Not only that, on the website at www.jreels.com. But also on my social media sites at Twitter, JReels1, Instagram, JReels, and of course, Facebook to JReels Podcast. And I'll talk about that later on in the program as I'm just going to go right through it. So sniffles, coughs, whatever it may be, you're going to hear it all here over the course of the next who knows how long. As it's now 8.03 p.m. right before Game 3 tonight in the NBA Finals, which I'll get to later on. But the reason for this podcast, first and foremost, not only just to keep your breast to from the last time I was on, which was nine days ago, my emergency podcast talking about the Boston Celtics losing a game seven at home to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But considering it's been nine days, A, and you know, I hadn't really posted anything, I've been kind of in the dark and uh, trying to get a guest. I was hoping to get somebody on tonight, but uh, wasn't uh, in the cards, certainly wasn't going to be uh, perfect scheduling for them. So earlier today, 
the Mets played a back end of a quick two-game series against the Baltimore Orioles, who came into the series against the Mets at 17-41. and 41. The Mets lost last night 2-1. to one. And then today, behind the strength of Zach Wheeler, who pitched seven solid innings, I believe they only gave up four hits, walked one, struck out ah, maybe five or six. But the immortal Dylan Bundy, remember him? It was a guy that was highly touted coming into the majors many years ago. I believe it was a number one overall pick. If I had to go back to 2010, 2011, uh, quite a few years ago. So Dylan Bundy was looking like the number one overall pick that he once was. And the Mets, whose offense is not from hunger. There is a famine going on in Flushing. And there's so many people to blame, so many things to discuss. I'll start off just from the, not from the bottom. I'm just going to start just with the basics, and then I'm going to start from the top and work my way down. As far as the basics are concerned, so the Mets lose one nothing today. They've scored two runs in the last 42 innings, dating back to the Saturday night game against the Cubs, which they lost in 14 innings, lost 7-1, when Jacob DeGrom pitched seven innings, struck out 13, was just unbelievable, and he's been unbelievable all year. So two runs in the last 42 innings. On this homestand, they have lost all six games. That's right, six games. They lost to four to the Cubs, two here. And if you remember, on the last homestand, they lost the back two to the Miami Marlins. Remember how they had the, you know, the Caleb Smiths of the world who, you know, pitching like Sandy Koufax. And then obviously today, Dylan Bundy and even yesterday, Alex Cobb, who we all knew is a very good major league pitcher. About average to above average, but has had a certainly below average year. You know, and he's going out there pitching like he saw Young. But then again, against this Met offense, I could go out there and I'm sure I could throw at least five solid innings and probably walk out of there with, you know, not giving up uh, any runs and probably a few hits and probably walk the ballpark. But at the same time, right, this Met offense, you know, they can't even buy a hit. So again, They've lost all these games at home. They've now lost seven in a row as a team. They're 27-32. and 32. As I said, they played a team in the Baltimore Orioles that were 17-41 and 41 coming into the series, and now they've left City Field a few hours ago at 19-41. This is a Met team that now, you ready for this? After that 11-1 start, which seemed like four years ago, since that 11-1 start, the team is 16 and 31. They are playing almost 33% baseball since that 11 and 1 start, which by far is the worst record in Major League Baseball since that time. I mean, can I? There's nowhere else to put it. I mean, that's it. 16 and 31. So could you imagine if the Mets started off 5 and 5, or let's say in the 11, 12 games, they were 6 and 6? Yeah, do the math. It is an out-and-out disgrace the way this team not only has performed, and I understand injuries, and we're going to get to the team, but let's just cut right to the chase. Let's start from the top, the very top. I'm not going to look at Fred Wilpon and have him come out and say anything. He's well over 80 years old. I don't know what type of physical shape he's in. I'm not trying to say that he can't speak or he can't address the media at some point, but you know what? I, we leave Fred alone. Okay, so I'm not putting this on him. I'm putting this on Jeff, though. And you want to say Saul Katz, too? All right, fine. But Jeff Wilpon in particular. 
your silence is killing your fan base. Nobody says you have to be Mark Cuban. Nobody says you have to be Jerry Jones. We understand that you're not going to be that guy that's going to be in front of the cameras or in front of the microphone to address your team to give us a state of the union on your franchise. We get that. But can you at least show a pulse? Do we know if you're alive? Do we even know that you care about your fan base? Jeff Wolpon, please come back to earth. Your franchise is sinking deep into the abyss. And you have a team cross town that, let's face it, I understand they're in a different league. And I understand they're not in your division. You're not going to battle them unless you make it to a World Series, which, ha, huh, you know, please, that's, we won't even go there with that as far as the Mets concerned. But you're competing across town against a team where you probably thought three years ago as you were making your long playoff push going into a World Series that, up, oh, we're taking back New York. Boy, that might as well have been 50 years ago. And as you well know, you have your diehard fans die in the wool no matter what that will always support this team, thick, thin, high, lows, whatever. But guess what? You could defer to Sandy Alderson all you want. Oh, he has full autonomy, whatever it is he wants to do. Of course, we have to clear it. Who pays Sandy Alderson? You do. Who is the guy that's in charge above everybody? You are. Can you say something to your fan base? Can you come out and say, you know what? I need to address these fans. And we don't want to hear the same mumbo jumbo. Oh, we're having a tough time. Oh, it's the injuries. Oh, we have... Nobody coming through in the minor leagues. We don't want to hear that. And as a Met fan, I'm not hoping, I'm hoping you come out and say something, but I don't want it to be a thing where you're just either breaking out the pom-poms and understand you're not going to slaughter your whole franchise, whether it's the people in the front office, coaches, managers, players, whatever. I get that. But it would be nice for you to come out and say, I'm not happy. I'm actually disgusted. Changes are going to have to be made. It's not going to happen overnight. It's certainly not going to happen in a week. It may happen in a month. But this will change. If you said that, the fan base would be outrageous. They would say, oh my goodness, he cares. Here comes a cough. (coughs) There you go. He cares. He's making us believe. He's showing that pulse. He has some blood running through his veins. That's all we want to hear, Jeff Wolpon. We want to know what you're feeling. What you're thinking. Where is this franchise going? What is happening with this franchise? For all we know, you're just sitting back, counting your revenue, in a ballpark, let's face it, I believe they reported something like 30,000 uh, the last couple of days or whatever it is. I thought you stopped taking attendance on Ticket Soul. Because I'm sure this afternoon, as a matter of fact, I have the encore on in the background. And it looks like there's 10,000 people in the stadium. So if you were just to come out and say something, anything. And yes, I don't want to hear this plain vanilla garbage about Oh, we're trying. Oh, we want to be successful. Oh, we're having some players come back. Whatever. 
<coughs> I don't care. You need to come out and say something of some substance. Don't just say anything to appease your fans. Don't just say anything to because you have to say something. Say something because you mean it. Say something because you care. Say something because you know your fan base is fuming, has smoke coming out of its ears, and pretty much wants to wring your neck because you're doing nothing and you've done absolute zero. That's number one. Number two, I made this prediction on Twitter early today, and I'm just going to say it. As embarrassing as this team has been, and they can't score a run to save their lives. And oh, by the way, guess who's coming to town this weekend? That's right. The Yankees. They're going to come to town off a day off tomorrow. So it's not like they're going to be flying in from some city, which they're playing Toronto tonight. I don't even know what the score is. But they're going to come from Toronto tonight, have a day off tomorrow, and they're pitching Tanaka, Severino, and Domingo German. Now, before you say, well, hey, you know, maybe we could get Tanaka, we can get the bad Tanaka. Severino, he probably would pitch against the Grom. That would be, you know, a pitcher's duel. And then maybe we could get Herman, especially if Syndergaard spends Sunday night. Uh, how is that fared for the Grom this year where he's gotten zero run support? How does that fare for a guy like Syndergaard who has been, let's face it, for him, he's been below average this year. And then with Steven Matz, who's going to pitch Friday night, who knows what's going to happen there as far as what kind of Steven Matz we're going to get. Although he's pitched better. And the starting pitching is, you, you can't even pin it on them. Because in the last two and a half weeks, their ERA is below three. <coughs> like I said, I apologize once again, and you're going to hear quite a few coughs throughout this because I'm just getting started. So now you have the Yankees coming in. You just lost the first six games of this homestand. Of course, not including the two that you lost in the back end of the last homestand against the Marlins, as I mentioned earlier. And then the Yankees are going to come in here, and I can see it now. Match will pitch decent, the bullpen will give it up, and the Yankees will win 6-1 Friday. Saturday, I can see that pitcher's duel between Severino and DeGrom. It will go seven innings apiece. Maybe the Yankees, maybe the game is tied, maybe 2-2. But then you know what's going to happen. Bullpen comes in, it's going to end up being 6-2 or 6-4, but the Mets are going to chip away, and the next thing you know, it'll be, they'll be 6-2 in the ninth, and then they'll score two runs, and then Chapman will come in, slam the door, and it'll be 6-4. And then Sunday night, you think, all right, well, maybe we could salvage this game. Syndergaard will pitch, you know, he'll have 100 pitches by the fifth inning, he'll be out of the game, and the Yankees will end up winning 8-1. And then now, they're going to, after that, lose the whole homestand. They'll be 0 for June on the homestand. Let's start there. Then, after a day off, they're going on a 10-game road trip, two in Atlanta, four in Arizona, and four in Colorado. If by Monday, if the Yankees embarrass, which I totally expect, if the Yankees embarrass this Met team this weekend, Sandy needs to be fired Monday, or better yet, Sunday night after that game, sometime after 11 p.m., Sandy needs to get shown the door. That's it. And then the sad part is, will Jeff Wilpon do it? Absolutely not. Why? Because he has no pulse. And to use a term that my former radio partner once said, and it's so apropos, that team, that front office, that ownership is the city of the walking dead. You know, the regular show Walking Dead started in Atlanta. For those who watch the show, Andrew Lincoln, you know, comes out of the hospital. And next thing you know, he's wondering what the heck's going on. It's, 
the apocalypse has come, and then slowly but surely he starts finding his friends, his family, etc. That's they should have started at City Field. They should have started in Flushing. Because that's what it would have been more appropriate. Because that team, ever since they moved in that building, all right, you want to say 2015 and 16 aside? It has been a wasteland. It's been awful. And to think that this team again, here we are. We're only June 6th. And the season's over. It is. And Sandy is at the forefront of that. Because for bringing guys like Anthony Schwarzak, who just pitched last night after being off two months, Jay Bruce, which a lot of people, my man Jerome, we were texting today, and Scott's going to like this, and it's so true. Jay Bruce, I understand, hey, he got a great deal. Three years, $39 million, that's great. But Adrian Gonzalez, who's coming in for $500,000, guess what? He's produced more than Jay Bruce for a million times less. Who would have thought that on this date that Adrian Gonzalez would have better numbers than Jay Bruce? I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, are you crazy? I, think, I thought Adrian Gonzalez would be off the team by now. But no, here we are. Jay Bruce has not done a thing. And I'm sorry, even with that contract, you got to produce. Jerome, you know better than that. So between him, Todd Frazier, here's a guy that's never been hurt his whole career. Never. The guy's missed 15 games over his career or whatever it is since going back to 2011. The guy's missed like 18 games already this year in a Met uniform. It's typical. You know, the Mets would, that can see it now. They'll finally turn it to the other side of the pillow. They'll go out and sign Manny Machado, who will be 26 in, you know, next month. They'll sign him, and the next thing you know, the guy will be on the shelf. He'll be caused by Edgar. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. Let's get back to Sandy. I could go through all the moves that he's made, the relief pitchers, the, let's face it, Jay Bruce is looking like he's washed right now. And there are no reinforcements in sight. This thing with Cespedes, I mean, what can you say? You know, Cespedes, you couldn't even pull him out of the lineup even if you asked him to, but now things are going sour. You know, you don't even know if he wants to come back. They're hoping for him to come back this weekend for the Yankee series. Well, if they, if they have any shot of winning, 50% of Cespedes is better than 100% of anybody else right now. And to th- here's the thing that's going to even kill me more. Think about this. So now Sandy... He's pretty much batting 1,000 or zero, however you want to call it, with all the people that he's brought in this offseason. You know, and I understand Frazier's been hurt, but he's batting 220. So you could salt and pepper shaker all you want and nothing against the guy, but you could do that all. Yeah, please, what is, what is that going to do for me? It's not going to do anything. So because of his ineptitude of bringing in some quality people on the scene, or quality players, I don't want to say people because I'm not knocking them as, as people. But bringing in quality players, try to bring even some youth into the mix. I mean, I understand you're not going to get a 25, 26-year-old, but, you know, Jay Bruce obviously is well over 30. Cabrera, I can't kill him. They brought him back. And, you know, he's done, he's done fine. I know now he's hit the skids, which is expected, and you kind of felt that coming. But, again, this is a guy that last year, as I said on a couple of podcasts ago, Cabrera was saying, well, I'm not coming back unless they, you know, pick up my option right now and if you're Sandy Olsen you would have laughed at him but no they brought him back and can't knock him he's had a great start to his season pretty much the MVP well other than the Grom but you get what I'm saying but again you're bringing it all to play back 
Jose Reyes, God love him. Listen, I love Jose. He's always going to be part of the the fabric, the the Met family, if you want to call it. I mean, that just sounds like a joke just be saying that, but it, you know where I'm going at. It's time he's he's time to be put out the pasture. You call it as I see it. I'm surprised he's not off the team yet, and his chances are he may be off this team by Friday anyway. Once Cespedes comes back, if he does come back by Friday, who's going to be the next guy to go? And the sad part is there's nobody in the farm system he could bring up. I know Peter Alonso is killing it in Double A. Why isn't he in Triple A right now? He's batting 318. He has a on base of like four something, 14 home runs. But I think my thing is is that he, with, with his size, he's 6'3", like 250 or whatever he is. But the thing is, he's probably going to be a DH. We don't know what he's going to be like at first. I understand. You're like, oh, we'll bring the guy up. Hey, listen, bring him up. Send Gonzalez out of town. He's not going to be part of the future, let alone the near future. But again, this is where Sandy falls on his face. And this is why he has to go. They were smart enough to let Harvey go when they did. And what has Harvey done since he's been in Cincinnati? Absolutely nothing. So now, who's going to take the blame for all this? It's got to be Sandy. He's got to go. It's got to. You know, and I'm sorry. I know Jerome was talking a lot about in this text. And I'm going to get those guys back on around the All-Star break. So that's going to be, that podcast, I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. (coughs) Excuse me. But Jerome was saying, well, hey, Sandy brought the players in that, Brought us to the pennant in 15 and 16. All right, fine. What happened the other years? What happened to 12, 13, 14, 17, now 18? It's not about, I understand you can't make the playoffs every year. I understand you can't win a pennant every year. You can't win a World Series every year. But this team hasn't even competed. It's a disgrace. It really is. It's a disgrace. They are not only unwatchable, they are laughable. Now let me get to the manager. You're not going to fire him. And listen, I said early on about Callaway that, hey, listen, you got to give him a shot. He's a pitching coach. I wasn't really crazy about that because pitching coaches, do they really make good managers? The only one that comes to mind is Bud Black. Other than that, give me one. Thought so. So now you bring this guy in. And you see some of the moves that he's made. I'm not going to go through every move. If you watch the Met games, you know. The most infamous one is the the game in Cincinnati where they batted out of sequence. And, of course, that was just a disaster. But And people could say, oh, it could happen. It could could happen. When does that happen? You know, if it happened once a month on other teams or whatever, they could say, all right, they screwed up. I think the last time it happened was, what, 2013, 2011? Who knows? But it doesn't matter. It's the Mets. It happens to the Mets. And it happened to Callaway. And that was when they were in Cincinnati. Where Cincinnati was the worst team in the National League at the time, and I believe they still are. But guess what? They went into Cincinnati, barely won the first game, and on that afternoon in which they lost, they left out of Cincinnati losing two out of three. Which you kind of should have known right then and there that this season was going to be out to sea before you know it. So Callaway has made these crazy decisions. This mix, you know, trying to, instead of putting players to pinch run, he puts them in the pinch hit. And I mean, just, he, he's been just awful. And now he's lost Familia. Familia comes to the game today in the eighth inning. He's coming to the eighth inning in these games now where at the beginning of the year, oh, we're not going to have a, you know, we're going to have a bullpen by committee. We're not going to have a closer. We're going to, you know, try to see how 
this is all going to come to fruition and then we'll pretty much take it from there. No, Familia was this guy from the beginning until recently and then now he's coming in the eighth inning. He's not happy about it. He gave up the run today, which they ended up losing. one nothing to the Orioles. So, great. You know, Familia, remember, when Mets won 11 of those 12 games, he had like nine saves. Since then, I, he probably hasn't even had nine outings. So now that you've gotten, arguably, I understand Gesellman and Lugo, they've had great stints coming out of the bullpen, and now Gesellman is your de facto closer. So when you look at Familiar, who is, let's face it, he's your best reliever, and you would think that whoever the GM is, whether it's going to be Sandy, which I hope it isn't, especially after this coming weekend, if it's going to go as expected, to be able to jettison him out to try to bring some players back? What can you get back from him? I'm sure you're going to get something, but you're certainly not going to get anything in the likes of what the Yankees got when they traded a Roldis Chapman to the Cubs. But again, I digress. Going back to Mickey, recently him coming out saying, oh, these players are under a lot of pressure. Oh, you know, playing in New York is not easy. This was after the Cub game when it got swept on Sunday. And, and that was an embarrassment in its own right. Javi Baez stealing home off of Steven Matz. The sacrifice fly that was pretty much, you know, a pop-up in the infield. Oh, they're under the pressure. Mickey Callaway, you've been here five minutes. I mean, what do you know about the rigors of being in New York? I mean, I'm sure you've heard the stories. I get that. But it, he just makes you scratch your head on so many levels. And the worst part about it is, I understand it's not even his fault. It's Major League Baseball's fault. And then you're going to say Jay Reels. What are you talking about? Major League Baseball's fault. Because Major League Baseball with this stupid sabermetrics and analytics and all this nonsense, which I get, it's part of the fabric of baseball now in 2018 and for the last few years. Thank you, Bill James, with stupid Moneyball. But what does that mean? What does that mean with these analytics and all these stats? Uh, who cares? You know what it boils down to, people? At the end of the day, you know what it boils down to? You could take your babips, you could take your wars, you could take all these stupid sabermetrics and throw them out the window. You know what it boils down to? Two words. I test. No, not the letter I test. It's E-Y-E test. That's what it boils down to. Who's a good player? Who has a good baseball IQ? Who performs in the clutch? Who not only hits, hits for average, hits for power, gets people out in big spots, solid reliever, all that. It's I test. It's being able to deliver in big spots. That's what it is. I understand not every game is a playoff game. I understand not everybody's going to produce at every given moment, but you know who's good and who's not. Because let's say this, Gleyber Torres comes up, you see what he's done so far. Is anybody thinking about what his war is? Is anybody thinking about what his, you know, exit velo is? is that, nobody's thinking about that. They're just thinking about this guy hitting home runs in the ninth and 10th inning. They're talking about him making, you know, having key RBIs and, and key spots. That's the eye test. That's what matters. All that other, all that other stuff is garbage. Nonsense. Please, if you subscribe to that theory about all those stupid stats, then you know what? You're not paying attention. You're not. It's mindless. It's useless. Oh, well, so-and-so has a war of... A war of what? Please, stop. Stop trying to reinvent baseball. Stop trying to reinvent stats. Stop trying to just... just Please, I have had enough of that nonsense. So Callaway... 
And I get it. I understand that's what they want to look for. They want to look for the puppet. They want to look for the guy. You know, there's no more Earl Weavers anymore. There's no more Billy Martins, Lou Pinellas. I get that. I understand. You know, we got to relate to the players. We got to coddle. We got to make sure that everybody's lovey-dovey. We got to make sure that they get along. No. And I'm not trying to chill for the guy or whatever because we know it's never going to happen. But you know what? Let a guy like Wally Backman come in and manage these players, and they would hate his guts. But guess what? I bet you they go through a brick wall for him. You think these players are going to go through a brick wall for Mickey Galloway? And isn't it, at the end of the day, isn't it all about winning? You know, because everybody talks about the culture. Oh, we need to have a great culture around here. You know what provides a great culture? Winning. And players that win. Players with winning attitudes. Players like Brandon Nimmo. And I'm not trying to make this guy out to be Ty Cobb. But a guy like that, where people laugh at him when he sprints to first base after a walk. Well, guess what? The guy loves to play the game. I'd like to have 25 Brandon Nimmo's if that's the case. You can't teach stuff like that. The IQ, the instincts, etc. Yeah, I understand you need your sluggers. Yeah, I understand you need your role players. Yeah, I understand you need your homegrown players to produce, to finally pull through, a la Michael Conforto, hello. Ahmed Rosario, who's played better, but still... Struck out in a big spot last night when he could have drove in a tying run. This is what I mean. So the manager, I understand it's part of the stupid nonsense that we're getting with Major League Baseball here in 2018. But at the same time, as much as I can't put it all on him because he just started, but at the same time, he's not going to go anywhere as far as the manager is concerned here in New York. He's not. Where they go, I don't know. And if you're asking Jay Rose, well, right, well, if Sandy gets fired after all this, as you predicted... That who's going to be the GM? Well, guess what? You know who's going to be the GM? It's either going to be J.P. Ricciardi. I know people, oh, oh, I get it. Well, who else is going to walk into that door? John Daniels from Texas is going to walk into that door? Stick Michael isn't around. And now he's a Yankee, but you get what I'm saying? Who's the Jerry West of baseball as far as a, an executive is concerned? That guy isn't going to come in on a white horse through flushing. Now let me get to the players and the team. All right, I already killed Bruce. And listen, good guy, and hopefully he turns it around. But man, this guy has done absolute zero. You know, Adrian Gonzalez, he's given you what you pretty much thought you'd expect. You know, around 250, he's had some big hits. Not all the time. He's 36. I mean, what do you expect? <coughs> Excuse me. Frazier is 220. I know a few weeks ago, hey, him batting 250 was like batting 300. Now he's down to 220. You know, he's got his five home runs. The short and pepper shit. Who cares about that? I could care less about that. You know, Rosario, you got to stick with him. He's a young player. He's part of your future. You get it. Conforto, I don't know. This guy's, well, I don't know what's happening. Is the shoulder still bothering him from last year? He's definitely more cold than hot. Which is a shame. Now as I'm looking at the crowd there, there is quite a few people there. But I don't know about 30,000. I didn't think there would be people in the upper deck, but... Oh, excuse me. But the players, I mean, Cespedes, who knows what's going to happen with him. He got two more years with him and those wheels. He better start hydrating instead of doing squats, which I know he changed his workout program, whatever, but still. I mean, this team is just, it's a mess. You know, Mezzarocco has been a surprise considering. But even then, you know, Ploiecki, you know, could Ploiecki do anything with the glove? 
<coughs> excuse me, as I say that, I'm just watching him catch today. And he's had a couple of hits, but, you know, Ploiecki's Ploiecki. I mean, he, he's, he's not going to do anything. So this team, as it is right now, and, you know, Ray's is going to be gone. I mean, he, that, he's the 25th guy on the team. And it's not as if you're going to bring in these reinforcements. It's not as if you got players that you could trade off that you're going to get back a lot in return. And I understand all the talk's going to be, oh, DeGrom to the Yankees. That's not, I, if that happens, and, you know, you heard some of the rumors today, or some of the people, not rumors, but some of the people coming up with trade proposals. You know, obviously Torres is off limits, which I don't think the Yankees would do anyway, obviously. But, you know, whether it be Andujar, Romine, and Clint Frazier for DeGrom. You know what? I would definitely do Andujar. I wouldn't do Austin, Tyler Austin. I understand he's a young, you know, he's a young player. You want to bring players like that. But is he going to be a guy that's going to be here, you know, seven, eight, ten years? I don't think so. Give me Andujar. <coughs> Excuse me. Have him play next to Rosario at third. Frazier, I don't know. Maybe you could trade him in the American League if possible. Probably not. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself because this is what happens when you're a Met fan, because you think about all these different scenarios that are never going to happen in a zillion years because you want to have hope, you want to have faith, you want to believe. But guess what? It starts at the top with Jeff. And what did I say about 10, 15 minutes ago? Enough said. And that's it. So come Monday or when my next podcast, and after I calmly go through my intro and talk about who the guest is and have the interview with whomever that may be, and then we get to the at the end of the interview, and I say, "Hey, everybody, what'd you think? All right, great. So and so, thanks for coming on the program today, and it was great to have him bless us on the podcast. Uh, so now to a few sports notes, and then I'm going to say, what did I tell you? Well, we know one of the two things going to happen. The Mets going to get embarrassed this weekend. Now it's just a matter of Sandy's going to be on his way out after that, but that's my prediction, and that remains to be seen. But if they do get embarrassed, and I think they will, because a lot of people on the flip side will think, well, hey, they've hit rock bottom. They've lost to the worst team in the American League and have a day off, and they're going to watch them you know, pitch well and watch them get some timely hits. Where are they going to get hits? Two runs in the last 42 innings? Now all of, ex- all of a sudden I'm going to expect an offensive explosion? I know sometimes... That team, you know, Yankees will come to your building and you're going to get pumped up and ready to go. And next thing you know, it's like, oh my goodness. You know, the bats just finally woke up. Maybe with Cespedes in the lineup, they'll bring some sort of presence. I don't think so. I can't see it. I tell you, if they go out badly this weekend, what else is there to root for this year? It's bad enough that the Yankees are going to probably pound our brains in in our own ballpark knowing that that team is locked, stocked, loaded, etc. And this team can't even bring a firecracker to the fight. Because that's what we're dealing with. You're literally dealing with the Grucci's firework explosion that you see July 4th Macy's in the Yankees. And the only thing you're bringing if you're the Mets are literally sparklers and smoke bombs. And now you know why I refer to Flushing as the city of the walking dead.
All right, so I spent about a half hour talking about that. I just want to wrap up with a few quick things before I say goodbye. Um, yeah, so tonight is the NBA Finals. This goes out to my man Jimmy. I don't know if he's listened to the podcast before. And Jimmy is a diehard Nick fan, and he loves JR to the death. He and I got into it last week on Facebook. And I called JR Smith a bum because he's a bum. That guy should be, well, he should be much better than what he is. I mean, we all know he could shoot. We all know he's got talent. I understand he's a little long in the tooth as far as the age goes. When he first came in, I mean, you know, the guy was he was a dynamic player. He could not only just drain the three, but he could take it to the basket. He could dunk. He could do all that. He was talented as could be. But the thing is, it's between his ears. That's why he's a bum. You can have all the you got the greatest talent in the world, but man, if you don't have a basketball IQ or you can't put it together, and he's a Nick fan, he should know. He's seen the blunders. As a matter of fact, the next day in the Daily News, where they had it on the cover, saying, "Well." This isn't old news, and JR did the same thing in the game, I think it was in 2014. You see Carmelo in the front and JR on the back hanging his head. What he did in game one was just outrageous. What was he thinking? And then for him to lie about it in the post game? Come on, my guy. I mean, jeez. What are you doing? I know he owned up to it afterwards, but come on, JR Smith. Jimmy, you know better than that. Yeah, can he shoot can he shoot the basketball? He can. But yeah, but for every game he can shoot the basketball and he'll surprise you. He's not. He doesn't disappear in the other games. He's invisible in the other games. Same thing with Jeff Green. And I know you stated your case for him. Oh, you know, he's been in the league a long time. He's had big games. He's played on good teams. And yes, I understand he killed Boston in game six, especially in game seven. Or, uh, of course, because it's against my team. But right, where's this man been in this first two games of this final? Can I see an offensive, you know, can I see an offensive explosion tonight? Can I see him put like 15 points up at least? No, just a joke. I mean, well, with that being said, I just hope that they make it 2-1 tonight and make it a series. The the one thing that's going to kill for the Cavaliers is that, you know, LeBron's going to play all 48 minutes. And he's going to, again, leave every ounce of blood, sweat, tears, whatever, snot, etc. But what's going to happen is, is that there's no two-day layoff between games. They're going to have to come back Friday night and do it again. And not only is he going to have enough in the tank, but is the rest of the team going to have enough in the tank to beat Golden State again to even that series and take it to game five to Golden State come Monday? That's the big question. Now, I understand they got to win the game tonight first, but even if they win the game tonight, then everybody could talk about, all right, hey, hey, maybe they could even up Friday. Well, yeah, if LeBron's playing 48 and whomever else, Kevin Love's 41 and... Jeff Green, JR, whomever it may be, and they eke out a 108-105 game. And you can say, hey, we have a series. Well, let's see them bring that same energy come Friday night, 48 hours later, to try to equalize that series. Stanley Cup final. Tomorrow is game five, which could be a franchise-defining moment for the Washington Capitals. Took care of business. And I know I mentioned this when I had Bill Bradley, the L.A. LA, Las Vegas Review Journal editor on. And after that first period, 3-0, I said to myself, I said, mm. I said, we're going to see what this team is made of. 3 nothing is a big hole, but there's two periods to go. Let's see if they make it 3-2. Let's see even if they had a shootout of a period and it was 4-3, and let's see if they could eke back, get into overtime, whatever. No. Now, they tried to make it interesting. They're late, but it was certainly too little too late. I don't think they're dead yet, though. I, I think that they're going to perform well here. 
I think they're going to win a game five tomorrow night, which will put all the pressure on Washington and which would scare the heck out of me. And I'm sure there are a lot of Capitol fans that although they may be that much more closer to tasting a cup than they ever have, but I certainly wouldn't even go near the champagne as of yet because with this team, now this team is a little different in this way. This team has won every game they need to win this postseason. I think about it. They were down 2-0 to Columbus and they won in six. And a big game six in Columbus to avoid a game seven at home as we all know how the Capitals have performed the game sevens in the past. The Pittsburgh Penguins series. Winning a game six on the road in overtime. Again, not having to bring it to a game seven at home. And hope for another miserable ending to a long, tough season. And then all you have to do is just look at the Eastern Conference Final. Down 3-2 to Tampa after being up 2-0. And they won the last two games by shutouts. So with that said, I it, to me it's the Caps year. Despite all the magic and just the unbelievable ride that the Vegas Golden Knights have been on. But there is a little seed of doubt in the back of my head that if Vegas somehow, some ways wins this game, and let's say they win convincingly, like they win 5-1, I'd be just a little nervous about the Capitals being extra tight come game five, which I believe would be Sunday night. Now again, even if they lose 5-1, or even if they lose a heartbreaker, let's say they were up 2-0 in the third period and Vegas gets two goals in the third and they win in overtime. That would sting. That would hurt. That would probably that hurts just as much more than the five one loss. And like I said, they've won the games they needed to win this postseason, which makes you think, why would this change now? But again, they are the Capitals. I think the Caps will close it out in six. But just remember what I said about that little bit of doubt, because that's one thing I certainly would not want to entertain if I'm a Capitals fan. That if you're in that building. Now remember what I said. Game four. Remember they were down three. What was it? Three nothing. Let's see what they're made of. What if in game six. It's 3-1. Vegas. Third period. And now the Caps. Pressure's on. For them to try to win that game. Because they don't want to go back out to Vegas in a game seven. Mm-hmm. This is why we watch sports people. All right, a couple of the quickies. Well, Lou Mar- let's go to the Islanders real quick. Lou Mar- Lamorello, God bless him. Bye-bye, Gar Snow. Bye-bye, Doug Waite. I know they're going to take positions in different part of the organization, which is perfectly fine. You know, I'm not knocking any of those guys, but let's face it. Lou means business here. Who knows who the coach is going to be? I have no clue. Let's hope John Tavares stays as we're now three and a half weeks away from free agency. So, house cleaning was in order out in Brooklyn slash Long Island. So, we'll certainly keep an eye on that the, the, the days, weeks to come. Justify goes for the Triple Crown there Saturday to Belmont right before Game 2 of the Mets-Yankees Subway Series. So, we'll certainly uh, keep an eye on that. And one last thing, and you know me, I'm not going to get political or anything crazy like that. But I know this whole deal with the with the NFL and the anthem and then even Trump with the whole stupid invite for the future world champion, you know, this Golden State of Cleveland. 
Listen, people, I understand it, it's, it's a great divide. It's a debate that's going to go on forever as long as this guy's in office. And trust me, I am not trying to start or spark any type of talk in reference to that because I'm talking sports. I'm staying in my lane. But I will say this as far as the anthem is concerned in the NFL. The NFL, which as bulletproof as they are, they still don't get it. They don't. Why is this the only league that is facing this where the other leagues, they have no problem? The NBA, they <laughs> locked that down. They said, nope, we got to get out there to stand. That's it. Case closed. All the players, all right. And remember, the NBA players are just as vociferous. Now, I understand many years ago with the whole Trayvon Martin thing. Remember the hoods, all that? I can't breathe shirts with the, the guy out in Staten Island. I can't think of his name. God rest his soul. Forgive me as it'll lose my memory right now, but right. They could have taken the stand 10 times more and they're more visible than the NFL player because the arenas are much smaller. They're out more in the open. I mean, NFL players out in the open too, but when you look at a sideline, you see 9 million people on a sideline. NBA bench is, we know who the players are. 15 players there and that's it. Or 12 players. So you can see them pretty much with an eye shot, even if you're in the upper deck. But the NFL, I tell you, man, they're just, they just make you laugh. And Roger Goodell is just, he's the American gangster. I've said it. You know, he's selling his own mom. And that's right, I said it. And people, you know, they could look at this podcast. Let's say, God willing, down the road, hey, 100 podcasts in, my own network. Oh my God, he called an American gangster. How dare you? Well, guess what? The owners, they love them to pieces. They've made them Money that their grandsons, grandsons, grandsons are not going to be able to spend. And no matter what he does, everything he touches doesn't turn to gold, turns to green. And if that's what the owners want, that's what they're going to get. But at the same time, the NFL is going to continue to be a PR nightmare and disaster with this guy at the helm. And it's sad to say, but here we are almost two years later after Colin Kaepernick, when he first took a knee or sat on the bench there in that exhibition game, we're still talking about this two years later. And it only gets more inflammatory when you got a guy who's at the head who's going to continue to exacerbate the issues of the anthem and the NFL and the players when they should have nipped this butt a long time ago. Nipped this in the butt a long time ago. But here we are still talking about it. And for that, the NFL is an absolute joke. All right, people, so... Thanks for listening. Again, for those uh, listening for the first time, you're hearing me rant, rave, and talk about the Mets. I hope uh, you had a few chuckles about it. But again, you know, this is part of what I love to do. And this is why I started this podcast now three months ago. And I'm glad that you're able to tune in and get a chance to listen to what it is that I have to say about what's going on in the world of sports. Of course, feel free to check out all my social media accounts again, as I mentioned before, Instagram, J Reels, Twitter, J Reels One, and of course Facebook, the J Reels Podcast. I have a website at www.jreels.com where you'll see all the information about me, the bios, uh, future guests, uh, other information about me, all my archive shows that I've had on there, you know, whether it's Evan Roberts on FAN, whether I've had, you know, Kenny Anderson was a great interview, Tony Delk, uh, and, you know, plenty more. I'm talking about the NBA playoffs and, you know, NHL postseason, uh, you name it. Everything's been on there up to date. I'm trying to get uh, a few other things cooking, as I said at the top of the show. Yeah, actually going to talk a little World Cup because I know that's on the docket coming soon. I don't even know when that starts, but I'll 
see if I can get somebody on there. Now, please, soccer, if it was played in my backyard, you know the old saying, draw the blinds. But we all know that that's a universal sport. And uh, or it's a, you know obviously a global sport. So with that said, I'll uh, see if I can get somebody on right before the World Cup begins. And I should know when that starts. I remember 2014 was like June 12th. And here we are June 6th. So if it's going to start next week, yeah, I got to get cracking on that. But uh, also, if you want to leave an email, thejreelspodcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to do that. And more importantly, with all that said, people, please subscribe to this podcast. And you know how you can do that? It's very simple. You go to your phone. If you have an iPhone, there is a, an app. It's a podcast app. It's purple. You just hit that, hit search, type in the J Reels podcast. You'll see it pop up. You may see another one. It'll say J Reels final word or the final word with J Reels and JD. You can look at that too, but no. Not that one, because those are all of my old archive shows with my old partner, which I hope to get on the program much sooner than later. But when you go to J Reels, or the uh, J Reels podcast, you just hit that, hit subscribe. And actually, when you scroll to the bottom, you could also post a rating and write a review right there on your phone. There's no excuses. And it takes literally minutes. So if you're commuting on the subway or if you're just jumping in your car and you get the notice that, hey, the j podcast just came up. You know what? Let me give this guy a review. And the reason why I say that is because not only with your support and your reviews and posting ratings and everything that I just mentioned, not only does that make that a lot more visible in the podcast world, especially in the sports podcast world, but it not only will generate a lot of interest, but it will also attract a lot more guests because then people notice that, hey, this is J Reels podcast. What's going on? He's got great, he's got very, you know, not only very good reviews, but he's also gotten very good guests. And this is why I'm here, people. Because not only do I want to bless you to inform, to entertain, but most importantly, to give you credible sports knowledge. Yeah, I'm not here to rant and rave and first takes and yelling and screaming. And oh, yeah, I yell and scream, but it's because I come from a place, from my heart and soul. You know, talking about the Mets there for a half hour and people think, ah, well, you know, just jump teams, Jay Reels. Why do you root for these loser teams? Well, guess what? When you're having a lifetime emotional investment in these teams, you just don't jump ship. You know, I love Sade. You know the singer Sade? Yeah, I love her. She comes out with albums every decade. But guess what? I'm not going to jump ship. Oh, I'm not a fan of hers anymore because she doesn't put out any music. No. Guess what? The investment is there. I love her regardless. And if she comes out with an album tomorrow and a tour the year after that, guess what? I'll be first in line and I'll appreciate her and I'll love her and I'll just be so grateful and thankful that she's putting out more music. I understand you can't use a recording artist as opposed to a baseball team or a sports team, but you get the drift. Well, anyway, last time I digress, cut to the chase, go to your podcast app or wherever you get your podcast, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, please subscribe, post a review, a rating, because just like I said, it's going to make it that much more popular and more visible to all those people out there and it will attract more guests. From the South Bronx to the South Beast, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends, people who love sports, like sports, getting into sports, because I am your source for sports right here on the J-Rose Podcast. Until next time, on the flip.